You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. LastPass is working on a patch for an undescribed bug. What IT staff actually work on, Eric Geller from Politico joins us to talk about emerging Trump administration cyber policy. And have you patched your Mac OS and iOS devices? I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, March 30th, 2017. Today we'll be talking about the new U.S. administration's emerging cybersecurity policy, but before we get to that, a few quick observations about developing news. LastPass, the widely used password manager, was praised last week for their swift response to a vulnerability disclosed to them by White Hat researchers. Google's Project Zero has found and disclosed a second bug. This one is more complicated, and it's expected it will take LastPass some time to fix it. Exactly what that bug is isn't generally known, and Project Zero and LastPass, who do know, are sensibly not telling. So far, there's no known exploit for the vulnerability in the wild. Jamalto's report on data breaches in 2016 claims that nearly a billion and a half data records were obtained by cybercriminals last year. We heard from Robert Capps of New Data Security, who commented on the report. He sees criminals targeting large databases to get as much personal consumer information as possible. They then correlate data from multiple breaches to create detailed profiles of individuals. Those profiles can then be used for identity theft, banking fraud, account takeovers, and other crimes. And, as we heard yesterday at ITSEF, many of those criminals, particularly in Russia, work hand-in-glove with intelligence services, whose appetite for data has traditionally been insatiable. Here in the U.S., we're only a couple of months into the Trump presidential administration, and it's fair to say the transition has had its fits and starts. Eric Geller is cybersecurity reporter at Politico, and he joined us from Washington with his take on President Trump. He takes a military-centric approach to cybersecurity. Throughout all of his speeches, he has made sure to emphasize that he wants the Pentagon to be taking the lead. Um, A number of his uh, more concrete cyber policy promises involve uh, a complete overview and an audit of the entire federal government computer system, uh, looking for vulnerabilities, um, the development of new offensive capabilities. So you have the defensive and the offensive sides there. And with both of those, Uh, He originally said that he wanted the Joint Chiefs of Staff and his Secretary of Defense to present him with a way of going about that. Now, whether that actually ends up happening, it's unclear. Of course, we're we're waiting for the executive order on cybersecurity, and that is not expected to be led by the Joint Chiefs. It's expected to be led by the Office of Management and Budget. So already you can see that his, his initial way of thinking has been sort of moderated, if you will, by the bureaucracy. But that is certainly his philosophy, is that he sees cyber as a military domain, first and foremost. I don't know necessarily 
if he understands exactly what the Department of Homeland Security does in this space, I think he is much more familiar with Cyber Command and, and the National Security Agency. Um, and that, I think, is going to color a lot of the discussions that we have uh, or that the government has with, with the public and amongst themselves about exactly how we want to pursue these different policy options because, uh, you know, he's coming at it from a perspective of let's let's give the military more money and more power and more authority. Those are already things we can see happening in the non-cyber context. And so my question will be what happens to – the development of international norms at the State Department, what happens to uh, public-private partnerships with uh, security researchers at, at the Commerce Department, uh, of course, what happens to uh, DHS programs. These are all avenues that you know we here at Politico are tracking very closely to see if we can get a sense, an early sense, of what it means that his focus seems to be so much on the military. Yeah, you know, we were all expecting the executive order not long after the inauguration. It was said that uh, we actually had a date, you know, we were expecting it, and then it got put off. When it got put off, they said it wasn't going to be too long, and here we are still waiting on it. My understanding is that they had a first draft written essentially by transition team people, uh, which which I think was, you know, obviously that was leaked. That was widely questioned for some of the ways that it was written and for some of the things that it contained. They overhauled that. They did a second draft, which was also leaked. Um, they were getting ready to have the president sign that. In fact, they, you know, we were briefed on uh, kind of where it was going to be going the morning of the of the signing day. And then he had a, a, a meeting in the Roosevelt Room with uh, Mayor Giuliani and Jared Kushner and former NSA director Keith Alexander, some of the outside people who have been advising him on cybersecurity. And he said, uh, we're going to go and sign this thing later. Uh, and then we were told that it had been canceled. So uh, I, I, I don't know that that has ever happened where they've canceled a signing that close to the actual signing time. Is there a sense from insiders in terms of um, is cyber within the government something that maybe doesn't need to be the top priority or, or there are other things that should that are that take appropriately uh, higher priority in the first 100 days of his administration? Well, I think if you talk to the career staffers who have been there, been working on this for quite a long time, they will tell you that they see cybersecurity as an incredibly important issue, particularly in the wake of some of these damaging hacks uh, that we've seen over the past few years. And those were not you know, necessarily super sophisticated. In a lot of cases, those were taking advantage of uh, you know, spear phishing, uh, social engineering, uh, things that involve training and protocols, perhaps more so than uh, you know, locking down the networks with super high-grade firewalls and things like that. And so the people who have lived through that, they understand that this is an issue, an issue that you have to constantly train on. You have to constantly equip people with the right, uh, with the right tools and the right knowledge. And so uh, you know, it remains to be seen whether the political appointees who have come in uh, see that as a, as a pressing issue. I think, you know, look, you, you look at the first two months and, and they've been focused on a lot of other things. You know, I don't see cyber as something that the president feels like he got elected on and he needs to deliver on right away. And he certainly didn't. Uh, he got elected on a number of other issues. And so uh, I think this is an issue where, yeah, people are working on it in the background and they're, they're trying to evaluate whether they want to keep a lot of these Obama-era um, directives. Uh, the Obama administration did a lot on information security, and they, they started a number of uh, progress reports and upgrades and overhauls. And I have to say I would be surprised to see a lot of that end just because it's not controversial. Um, it's the kind of thing that if you have experienced cyber professionals, uh, you know, chief information security officer, that kind of thing, those people are not going to recommend that, that the Trump you know, OMB uh, start killing these programs left and right. So I don't see a lot of change on that kind of non-political side of things. I think what you will see is 
Um, you know, this is a business-friendly administration. There are regulations that re- relate to data breaches, that relate to um, risk management and compliance. And so we could potentially see some changes there, but I think it's too or too early right now to say exactly what form that's going to take. All right, Eric Geller, thanks for joining us. Sure thing, thank you. The software lifecycle automation shop IE has released a study of how IT professionals actually spend their working lives. The key finding is that, as a group, IT pros are in a reactive profession. They asked more than a 1,000 what they do at work and found, on average, IT workers spend 29% of every day reacting to unplanned incidents and emergencies. More than half of them spend between 25 and 100% of their day on such emergencies. The most common incidents are outages and performance issues. About half of the incidents are discovered within an hour, but the mean time to fix them is more than five hours. And the bigger you are, the worse it seems to get. Companies with 50,000 or more seats are three times more likely than smaller enterprises to take more than a week to resolve a business-critical request. And finally, for all you Apple users, we hope you've applied the important patches Cupertino issued earlier this week. The patches fix 23 kernel-level vulnerabilities. The affected products include not only macOS Sierra 10.12.4 and iOS 10.3, but also the iWork suite. Take a look at your systems and update as required. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Emily Wilson. She's the director of analysis at Terbium Labs. Emily, there's this notion of hope for the best and plan for the worst. Um, and when it comes to having your information exposed online, there's timeline issues that you sort of have to deal with. It may be when, when the information gets out there, that might not be the end of it. 
That's true. You know, in some cases, people are leaking information as soon as they gain access to it, right? It's a much shorter time frame. And then even then you're dealing with the fallout of, great, all of my customers and all of their information is now online. I'm going to have to deal with this for years to come. In other cases, though, and I think, you know, all of the uh, quote unquote legacy breaches we saw at the end of last year are a good example. You know, just because your information uh, was exposed doesn't mean it's going to be leaked right away. What do you mean by a legacy breach? You think about things like uh, like LinkedIn or, or Tumblr. These were older breaches. This is from years ago. Or, or poor Yahoo, right? Wouldn't want to be in that position of, you know, oh, we, uh, we found a breach. We found a, another one a little bit older than that, right? These are things that happened years ago that we're just hearing about now. And I think that there are a lot of instances where the headline is, you know, company is breached, all of their customers were exposed, there's no evidence yet of information being leaked online. That doesn't mean it won't happen. In a lot of cases, there's a lot of benefit in waiting to show your hand at the right moment. I think we're going to see over the next couple of years as this becomes increasingly commonplace, information from breaches that happened this year that we haven't heard more about yet. You know, a good parallel here is the RNC and the DNC were both hacked. Obviously, we've heard quite a bit about the DNC. We haven't really seen a bunch of RNC data yet. Will we ever? I don't know. On the opposite end of the spectrum, the parent company for Hello Kitty had a bunch of their information exposed, right? And a lot of this is actually minors. Will we see this information end up online for sale? Will it end up leaked somewhere? I don't know yet. But just because you've been been breached and hasn't shown up online yet doesn't mean it won't ever. And what a situation to be in. If you know they've gotten the goods, now what? The worst may be yet to come. Right. And, you know, it's sort of the issue of the devil you know versus the devil you don't. You know, if someone's leaking information, then you can at least get a sense of what they have. If you're not sure what they got away with, if they have access to everything, what were they going for? What's their plan? Were they looking at your customer records? Were they looking at your HR records? Were they looking at your donor list? What were they doing? And just because they release certain pieces of information doesn't mean that's all they have, right? And so you're, you're stuck in the situation where you don't know what they got away with. You don't know what's going to be exposed, if it's going to be exposed. You, you can't be lulled into this false sense of security that, you know, we had a breach last year. But we haven't heard anything yet, so I'm sure everything is fine. Uh, that's just not the case. It may just be that uh, you need to wait a few more years. Someone's biding their time, waiting for the right opportunity to... Maximize their return on that information. It's true. And it may even be a situation where someone kind of gets all of the benefit that they wanted to get out of whatever information they, they took. And now they're going to just dump it for vandalism because they can. You know, that final blow of maybe I'm done exploiting your customers or maybe I got whatever kind of piece of sensitive information or intellectual property I needed. But as insult to injury, here are a bunch of your internal emails. You're welcome. Not fun to think about. All right, Emily Wilson, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. 
And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.